Well, good morning and welcome everybody to Experience Missions 2023. We are thrilled that you're here and we have some very important people to introduce you to. Here you will find uh, four of our missionary team members and uh, we uh, have 80 total that we have the privilege of partnering with as they do ministry around the world. And I want you just to uh, pay attention as they share a little bit about themselves, their family, and maybe a fun fact or two. Good morning. Is it not working? Let's see. You know, uh, I see a light. There is one right there. Good morning. So we are Ryan and Christy Thomas, and we serve in Valencia, Spain, along with our tr three sons. Uh, Nathan, who is 16, they're right over here. Evan is 13, and Elijah is 8. And then we have a cute little pug that is named Frida. She is a great evangelistic tool because they love dogs in Spain. <laughs> That's um, great. And then actually in the city that we serve in, they do this festival that they have every year. It's called Fayas, and it's happening right now. And they build these giant uh, wood structures that are beautiful. And then they burn them at the end of the month. So, wow. Very interesting. Crazy. Good morning. I am Suzanne Hurst. I am the director of Africa Oasis. My husband, Patty, could not be here today. He's scheduled elsewhere, but he sends his greetings. He's the area director for Central Africa. We have three children who had the nerve to grow up and go to college and leave home. So we are now empty nesters, but we have had many years on the continent of Africa, a lot of fun adventures. And one of them is that we have literally driven to Timbuktu and back. It is a place that actually exists. <laughs> Good morning, my name is Dan Taylor. My wife and uh, Danita and I uh, have been serving in Portugal for a number of years. Got one of my daughters with me, Gabriela, but we've got four total. And it's a privilege and joy for us to serve where we do. Uh, Portugal has a long um, religious tradition and they have a great pastry tradition. And in most of the pastries that you'll find there have an egg base or something and that results that comes from the church pastries come from the church the the the, the clerics needed to have their their linen starched and so they use the egg whites and what do you use the egg yolks for obviously make pastries pastel de nata look it up <laughs> hi my name is bill shaw my wife and i so my, my, my wife sonia and i are missionaries in the dr congo for the past 38 years we have served on the continent of africa and even though We've been for, there for 38 years. My Norwegian wife still can't dance. <laughs> hey, give them a big hand. They're going to come back and share in just a couple of minutes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to ask our ushers to distribute our missions book for uh, 2023, and you will find in here a lot of information that shares our philosophy of ministry and really the details of missions at BCA for this next year. I like to look at it this way. I call uh, this booklet uh, a, a strategic uh, giving prospectus. If you look at page seven, pages like that, you'll see uh, some incredible, incredible numbers of the faithful giving of this church family through the years, including last year. Uh, it shares our goal for the year upcoming, and it's just really fantastic. Last night, we had our uh, uh, Global Church Partnership Banquet, 10-year anniversary. The gym was packed, and we celebrated 10 years of uh, faithful Global Church Partnership uh, uh, ministry, 37 short-term outreach missions trips this last 10 years. Isn't that amazing? Unbelievable. And uh, gave uh, uh, over $1.3 million to our Global Church Partnership part alone. Here you see more of our focus as we, we today, this morning, are going to be zeroing in on our missionaries, aiding missionaries, and how we can support them more ably in the year to come. I also call this a prayer journal. If you look at the 
central pages, you'll see missionary after missionary after missionary after missionary. And I encourage you to join many others of us who pray for a missionary or two or three every single day uh, all through the year. Uh, if you were to ask our missionaries, you know, what's your greatest need? I'm sure they would have a variety of things to share, but one of them for sure would be pray. Pray that God will open doors. Pray that God will... Uh, you know, bring a harvest, pray that God will help us reach people for Christ, pray for teams to be raised up, pray for finances, pray for the safety of our family, pray, pray, pray. And then uh, finally, if you look at uh, pages, you know, probably 10, 11, somewhere in there, you will see a little bit about our uh, uh, global church partnerships that I just alluded to, and this really serves as a go planner. Uh, there's a place to sign out on the, uh, out in the lobby. There's a table. If you're interested in being a part of one of our trips here this year or next year, we'd love for you to be a part of that. And we have an info meeting coming up on April 2nd where we'll share a little more with you. But this is a go planner. Pray, give, go. That's our theme and certainly uh, something I, I want us to all think about here this morning as we work our way through this service. Let's take a look at the screen for a brief video and then we'll continue. love this year's theme because I think it really gets to the heart of the matter. A lot of people today are seeking after pleasure. You know, that's really their main goal in life. I just want to be happy. I want pleasure. I want self-gratification. But BCA, we continually talk about the fact that we're people with a purpose. We're on assignment from our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ. Amen? He said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. I want you to spend your life taking up your cross, sacrificing to self, and sharing the good news of God's love through missionaries and through praying, through giving and going yourself. I want to take a moment and just uh, tie in our, our series that we've been in uh, on Lent. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we kicked off a series on Lent. And one of the things I shared at the very beginning was a challenge for each and every one of us to make a missions pledge these 40 days. And I would hope and encourage you to continue that every month throughout this year. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus preached the greatest Lent sermon ever. In that message, he said, I want you to pray, I want you to give, and I want you to fast. It's like Christianity 101. He says, I'm expecting you to do these three things. And the thought occurred to me to ask the question of us as a church family. When is the last time you, when is the last time we prayed for lost souls? When is the last time you prayed for someone who was far from God? When was the last time you prayed for unsafe family members, unsafe friends? When's the last time you gave so that people who are lost and dying without Christ could come to hear the message of God's good news and good hope? And when is the last time you fasted? Fasted that doors would open, that lives would be changed, that people would come to faith in Christ. This Lent season, I want us to have missions on our mind. I want it to be one of our focuses. I want it to be one of the things we engage in in a very specific way through prayer, through giving. And through fasting. Last night at the banquet, as I mentioned, we celebrated 10 years of faithful giving. And uh, 
it was it was unbelievable to to share the news that over the last 10 years our church gave 1.3 million dollars and sent out 37 storm trips it was absolutely amazing yeah let's put our hands together why not but in addition to that in addition to that each and every year for the past 10 years and long before that this church family has supported many many missionaries right now we're supporting 80 missionaries and their projects and that is the backbone of bca missions missionaries these are the pros these are the full-time vocational leaders out on the field they're the experts of the culture and we come alongside to do anything and everything we possibly can to pray for them to to give financially and even to send teams to come around them and to support and today our focus is on those 80 missionaries and you're going to hear from a few of them in just a moment I made this statement last night. I want us to think about it and let it ring in our ears a little bit. 2033 is the 2,000-year anniversary of the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. Now, I know, I know, we got some purists out there who say, well, what if Jesus was born in 1 AD or 2 AD? Well, just take it from me. Let's go with zero. Um, he lived a life of 33 years. And on his deathbed, he had the most profound message he gave his disciples, and that includes you and me. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. No matter what you do, make sure you do that. Go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At the end of the service, I'm going to draw your attention to this pledge card that's in the middle of your booklet. You've been a part of BCA. You know the drill. You know it's a part of what we do. It's a part of our spirituality where we just focus in. How can we be major players in God's great enterprise? You know, John Scully was once asked by Steve Jobs to leave Pepsi Company and come over to Apple and run Apple. This is a story from years ago. Some of you know this story. And Steve Jobs said to uh, John Sully, he said, why are you going to spend the rest of your life just drinking sugared water? Come work with us and change the world. Well, I got something better than that. Become a part of the greatest enterprise in the history of mankind advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Let's get involved with what Jesus asked us to get involved in, and let's change the world. Can I hear a big amen out there? Let's change the world. Let's pray, let's give, let's go like never, ever before. Let's make a pledge this Lent. Let's pray for missionaries this Lent. Let's plan to go on a storm trip, a short-term outreach missions trip over the next two or three years. Take our families, take our kids, send our youth, be a part of what God's doing around the world. You know, according to the Global Frontier Missions Group, there are 7.8 billion people in the world, many who do not know the Lord. In fact, 3 billion have not received an adequate witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of the 17,298 people groups, 7,368 have not heard. That's 42.6%. A lot of money is given to missions every year, $32 billion. How many would say that's more than you make in a day? $32 billion, that's a lot of money. But compared to some of these other numbers, just think about it. $18 billion a, a year is spent on specialty coffees. Aren't you guilty for drinking specialty coffees? 66.5 billion a year is spent on lotto tickets and 66 billion is spent on tattoo removal. That those are the weirdest statistics I could come up with. But it kind of puts it in perspective for me a little bit that 32 billion is a good start 
but we need to do more. We need to ask ourselves the question I asked you to ask yourself last Sunday, and it was this, what am I sacrificing so that I can give? How can I practice spiritual disciplines and bend my human nature toward the nature of Christ and practice frugality, simplicity, and fight off materialism so that I can give and be generous and selfless? Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the only hope of the world. And Jesus said on his deathbed, it's a deathbed wish that he whispered into the ears of his disciples. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you and I will be with you to the very end of the age. His last command must be our first priority. And that is something we talk about often here at BCA. I want to close with this verse before our missionaries come. It's a powerfully penetrating scripture found in Romans chapter 10. Every missionary has preached on this passage over and over again, and we talk about it every year at this time because it's so compelling and so pointed. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody, anybody that cries out, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, will be saved. That's the beautiful news. But how can they call if they don't believe? And how can they believe if they don't hear? And how can they hear if no one tells them? And how can someone tell them unless they are sent? You see, there are just a couple of teams. There's the go team, like our missionaries, and there's the give and pray team. That's us. Both teams are indispensable. These friends have answered the call. The question is, have you have I. The Bible says, send or be, or be sent, spend or be spent. Let's think about that as we hear our missionaries. I want you to buckle up your seatbelt. We're going to travel around the world, folks. Put your table in an upright and locked position. Are you ready? We're heading to Spain. Let's go. Here we go. Buenos dias, como estáis? God bless you guys. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, BCA, for supporting us and our work in Valencia, Spain. Why Valencia? So my, my wife and I were living the dream in Denver, Colorado, planted a church there, had a dream house with a view of the Rockies, and I went on a missions trip, that's why you should go on a missions trip, to Turkey. It was my third trip to Turkey, and during a prayer time, the Lord spoke to me, gave me actually a vision saw this map of the Mediterranean, a big red arrow pointing at Spain. God has to make it really obvious for me. Uh, and then the name Valencia. And I'd been to Spain like six different times. I had no idea where Valencia was. But we had this specific word. God spoke to my wife as well. So we sold everything. We had three different couples that were going with us to help plant this church. That was the word God spoke to us, to plant a church that would send people throughout that region and so I thought, man, I didn't want to say this is going to be easy, but this is going to be easy. This is going to be amazing. And the three couples canceled on us. God bless them. Praise the Lord for them. 
Uh, we got there by ourselves to Valencia. It's a modern country. It's beautiful, but it's very far away from God. Uh, 99% of Spaniards do not know Jesus personally. And so even though you have all the Catholic backdrop and religious backdrop everywhere, they, they don't know the Lord. And so we got there, and Valencia is party central. It's South Beach on steroids. The clubs open at 1 a.m. and get out about 10 in the morning. And there's a, there's a theologian that has a quote that just really spoke to me, and that was this. It was, it's Mike Tyson. He said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And that's what we experienced. I, we were shocked by the secularism. We were alone in this city. It's a very bohemian neighborhood that we're in. So we began to pray and seek God's face. Anytime I would try to talk to someone about Jesus, the door would close. And very frustrating, very hard. And then through prayer, and then, then the pandemic happened. And so that was super helpful. Uh, my, my youngest couldn't leave our apartment for three months. We couldn't meet in a building. And yet, we met a guy named Manuel. Manuel's a graffiti artist, well-known graffiti artist. That's actually a thing, graffiti art. And Manuel's been a drug addict for 25 years, accepts Christ, gets baptized. And we couldn't even meet in a building, but Manuel said, hey, why don't we go to a park? And I'll invite my friends, and we'll just stay, you know, separated. And so we went to a park. He invited his buddies to come. Many of them are smoking herbs while we're studying the Bible. And very relaxing setting, as you can imagine. And so I was sharing. I remember I shared about the prodigal son. They had never heard the story of the prodigal son. And it was just amazing. Another lady in the north part of the city said, hey, why don't you come? We'll do a little Easter egg hunt. It was around Easter. I'm going to invite some friends. We go to this park in the north, and 15 families showed up. Of those 15 families, only one knew Christ. And so we, we had a second campus uh, in, the, in another park. Never had a building. We would meet once a month in a dance studio. And it's amazing to see how people are coming to Christ that would never wake up and say, well, I should go to that, that church down the street. No, we've never had a building, and yet God is touching people's lives. And so we go back later this summer, and we're excited to have a location and expand what we're doing in Valencia. Thank you again for all your prayers and your support. God bless you guys. What am I trying to say? Thank you. You realize during the COVID uh, time that we had, that you had here, we were also in the DR Congo at that point. Sonia and I were there, and, and uh, one of our main concerns was when you heard about COVID happening here in the States was what's going to happen to our support? But I want you to know that, my friends, ever since COVID came and went and hopefully stays away, our support has maintained its uh, level of support. We've never seen a drop. It's because of people like you that are faithfully supporting people like us who go to places like the DR Congo. Uh, you realize by the year 2050, half of the world's believers are going to be from sub-Saharan Africa. Half of the world's church is going to be African. And it's interesting to see what God is doing in the DR Congo, for example. I have a young man who is uh, training in our Bible school. We have 200 students in our ministry training center there in the city of Lubumbashi. And one of these young men, I was teaching a class on missions, on missiology. And Ben Mzizi, he was there in my class. He's a great young guy. He's, he's single. In fact, he said, Pastor Bill, bring me back a wife from America. 
So if, if there's somebody who's eligible, you want to go to Africa, um, sight unseen. He's, he is good looking, by the way. But Ben came up. We're, we're, I'm teaching on, on, on missions, and I'm, I'm sharing stories of the 38 years of experience that we've had as missionaries in Ghana and in, in Chad and now in the DR Congo. And, and he stood to his seat. He broke up the class during the middle of my lecture, and he came to the front of the, of the, of the classroom. He knelt down before me and said, Pastor Bill, lay hands on me. I want God to use me as a missionary. The African church is, going, is a church to be reckoned with, and it will be a part of what God is doing in the 21st century. And we're so happy to be a part of coming alongside our African friends like Steve Kamwengi. Steve is my assistant pastor in our English-speaking congregation. You know, uh, DR Congo is French-speaking, but the city of Lubumbashi is 5 million people, and there are English-speaking people in that city. And so the pastor of this other church, a large church there, he said, Bill, and so when you come alongside of us and help us develop an English congregation. Well, Steve is my assistant pastor, and he had uh, an opportunity. It's very interesting. In January of last year, I gave a theme for the year for our English congregation that God will lead us where we had never been before. And I was thinking in terms of spiritual growth and spiritual life and, and discipleship, but God had other things in mind. Steve had an opportunity to go to the nation of Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is one of the Central Asian republics. It's 80, 85% Muslim. It's a, it's a target uh, nation that we're trying to reach into. And Steve, my, my Congolese cohort, my con Congolese colleague, he had an opportunity to go there, and he came back just amazed at what God was doing in his life. He said, Pastor Bill, when I got there, uh, these guys, they, they just became my friends. After just a week and a half, they were inviting me into their homes. I, I felt like I was one part Kazakh. And he said, he said, Pastor Bill, I really think that when I'm done with my Bible school training, God's going to use me as a missionary, a missionary to the Kazakhs in Kazakhstan. You know, people have asked me, uh, my African friends, certainly my students in our schools, they said, Pastor Bill, what is the gift that you have? Are you a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist, an apostle? And I give him this answer all the time because I've done all these kinds of things. I said, no, I've got the gift of availability. And I'm asking you, my friends, this morning, are you, do you have the gift of availability? I would almost say, keep your money, give me your kids. I'm passionate about Africa, and at Africa Oasis, we believe in local churches transforming their communities. So we partner with our more than 80,000 African Assemblies of God churches on the continent in areas like agriculture, health promotion, water solutions, 
and women's initiatives, which are anything that helps women to thrive. work with local churches on local issues and use local resources to find solutions, then we know that the results will be long-lasting because we know that local lasts longer. Good morning. I am the director of Africa Oasis and it is such a privilege to work with our African Assemblies of God churches on community transformation. We always combine word and deed, but sometimes we have to shake up our methods a bit and start with the deed before we can give the word. There are communities, there are belief systems and people that are so resistant to the gospel that they need to see Christ's love in action before they're willing to hear about it. I was asked to do a water project in a, a place in Africa. I cannot tell you where it was at because it was such a highly sensitive um, country over 99% Muslim, and in that context, there was one Assemblies of God church there, obviously struggling, a very small church, completely surrounded by its Muslims' neighbors, and they asked me to come and help them with a water project. They wanted to reach out to their community in a new and unique way. There were a lot of waterborne illnesses. Children were dying and missing school because of being sick from the drinking water. So I went to them and I trained some volunteers in the church on what we were going to do for this water project. And then the volunteers and the pastor, they all went out into the community to create awareness for this project and tell them what the church was going to do. Well, the pastor was walking through the community talking to people and he stopped and he was talking with a woman. She was sitting in front of her little home and there was a man a little ways off and he was listening. And as he heard the pastor talking about the water project, he said, Pastor... Why are you Christians giving us Muslims water? Why do you care? And so the pastor went over and began to engage this man and said to him, you know, our God loves everybody. He cares about you no matter where you are at in your life, in your journey of faith. And he cares about your children. He wants them to be healthy and go to school. And so as his church, we care. And that's why we're doing this project. Well, that began a conversation that lasted for months as many of you probably know, Muslims are very, it's very, it's a very long process for Muslims to convert to Christianity. There are all sorts of factors that make that an incredibly huge decision for them. But this man, not only did he have all the, the normal factors, but his wife was the daughter of the most prominent Muslim cleric in that entire province. So he, at great risk, after about six to eight months, he accepted Christ. He was immediately taken to court, which was not a surprise. The court, it was a whole thing in court. Everybody came out. They were all so scandalized that this cleric's son-in-law had converted to Christianity. They packed the courtroom. They were outside in the streets waiting to hear what would happen. Now, in this court, they could make several decisions, one of them being that the man could be stoned to death for converting. At the very least, what was anticipated is that his wife and children would be taken from him, returned to her Muslim family, and he would never see them again. But in a miraculous ruling, this court said that one, this man could not be harmed for converting, and two, his wife could make the decision 
whether or not she wanted to stay with him. She knew if she made that decision, she would be kicked out of her family forever, but she decided to accept Christ and stay with her family. They serve in that church to this day. They were baptized on a Christmas morning. And that is what happens when we come alongside our churches and push them to the front, let them be the faces of compassion in their community. This pastor, despite being a Christian pastor in this context, was so valued after this water project that the government actually made him the minister of water for his province. They gave a Christian pastor a governmental title because of how much that project impacted the community. And this is what we do. We work with our local churches for community transformation. It is an incredible story, and it is your story as well as our story. Because you pray and you give, we are able to be on the ground in Africa, and we are able to be a part of this story. So thank you so very much. Portugal is a beautiful place. If you live in Europe, in Northern Europe in particular, Portugal is one of the places that you want to go to escape the snow, to escape the cold. It's a place of vacation. Uh, half of the entire country, uh, at least on a border sense, is all beaches and sun. It has more sunshine than ever it's ever dreamed about. It's a lovely place to be. It's a lovely place to go. If you were to ask the people, and they're very hospitable, you say, you know, what does it mean to be Portuguese? You know, what, what is it? You're Portuguese, what is that? And they say, well, uh, three Fs, three Fs. 1934, the first Primera Liga, the, the first league of football or soccer was established there in Portugal. And that only formalized what was already true, that the, the people are crazy about soccer. They love it. They've got their different clubs. You may have heard of some of them. If you follow soccer at all, one of those in the city of Lisbon has more what they call socios. They've got more uh, people who, who pay the monthly fee to belong to the club uh, than any other club in the world. So it's just it's popular, and it's you go to the bar, and you do it at home, and that's your conversation around uh, drinks or whatever it happens to be. They say, to be Portuguese is to love football. F. 1820s. Uh, there was a musical style that kind of developed a bit uh, out of the fishing community in particular as the ladies would send off their men to go uh, fishing in the, the, the waters off the coast and then the North Atlantic. And, and there would be in the hearts of these ladies this desire, this longing that their husbands would come home. That would be a natural feeling. And so there's a music that kind of developed out of that and, the, and then it spread farther. And the music's called Fadu. Fadu, and so Fadu has this characteristic, this tendency of, oh, I'm just, I'm missing something. I'm wishing for something. I'm loving Portugal. I'm wishing I could be there if you're living out of it. And the Portuguese people are characterized even today by almost this sense of, oh, things are so good, but it could be better. If my husband came back, if, my, if, my, if I was in my country, and so on and so forth. Football, Fadu. And then 1917, over the period of six months, there were uh, six reported appearances of a supernatural event, the Virgin Mary appearing to three shepherd children. And out of that developed um, a small town, and out of the town developed a, a, a sense of 
um, sacredness and Fatima is the name of the town. Today it's a city of 10, maybe 12,000 people, but it's visited by approximately 8 million people every single year. They have more hotel rooms than they do have people. And they come and they burn candles and they come and they make pilgrimages on their knees. They walk north to south of Portugal to get there, all in hopes, all to worship, all to find an answer to a spiritual need. They say to be Portuguese, Fatima is a part of that. Football, Fadu and Fatima. Well, friends, we're in 2023. And in our hearts, we say there's an F that is missing. That F is faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. He is the way and the truth and the life. And there's no one that can get to the Father, not through any other means except through Jesus. So it is our prayer, it is our work, it is our heart, and you are a part of us in that, that we would see 2023 and beyond, as Pastor Rob mentioned, till 2033, may God pour out his spirit in Portugal that there would be faith. If you grab our prayer card, you'll see on the back, the Apostle Paul's uh, referencing or recalling his calling by God. He said, God sent me to the Gentiles that I would open their eyes or he would open their eyes and lead them from darkness into light. That is our prayer. That is our request. Would you pray with us and work with us still? God bless you and thank you. Think with me for a moment about the question and how you would answer. How glad are you that someone told you about Jesus? How blessed, how thankful, how appreciative are you that 
you were one of the ones that got to hear about Jesus. And then to think about the fact there are so many people around the world that haven't received that opportunity. The question I ask myself, and I believe it's a deeply personal question, is what is my responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to make sure everybody everywhere gets to hear about Jesus? And is it a question that is compelling enough to drive you deeply to find ways and opportunities to share the good news of God's love as far and wide as possible. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to live, love, and lead like Jesus. We are called to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, and to follow him. As followers of Jesus, we are compelled by Scripture to go into the highways and byways go into all the world to be salt and light. And in this moment, I don't want you to lose this opportunity to just do a personal inventory of how well you are doing, as I ask myself, how well am I doing in partnering with Christ in any and every way I possibly can to make sure everybody everywhere gets to hear. It's mind-boggling to me that Jesus has afforded us the opportunity to be a part of the greatest enterprise in the history of the world, and that is advancing his kingdom. And I wonder if we're taking full advantage of it. How faithful do we pray? How faithful do we give? And how faithful do we either go or help others go? There's an old story, and some of you have heard it, I've shared it before, you've read it elsewhere. The story of Jesus living his 33 years, going back to heaven. And the angel saying, hey, what's your plan to reach the world with the good news of God's love? He said, well, I trained up these 12 cats down there in heaven, and you know, I'm counting on them to spread the word. And the angel said, well, what if they don't do it? What's your backup plan? He said, I have no backup plan. You and I are his plan. He has no backup plan. We're it. And I know I'm speaking for you, but I believe I know your heart because the heart of our church, we want to do everything we possibly can to share the good news of God's love with as many people as we possibly can so that everybody everywhere gets to hear. Amen? And so in this moment, I want you to just take a time of personal reflection and just ask yourself the question, Lord, Am I doing everything I can? If not, what can I do? If I'm not praying, how can I determine today to begin to pray every day for lost people? If I'm not giving a monthly pledge to missions, consider today giving a monthly pledge, or an annual pledge, or whatever kind of gift to missions to support missionaries around the world. We're going to pass the buckets in a moment. We're going to do two things. I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider making a faith promise, a giving pledge for 2023. I'm also going to invite those, and there's people every year that are very willing to be a part of this, to give a cash offering to missions to help our missionaries, including the ones that you see here, uh, with uh, cash gifts to help get back on the field. 
None of that happens by osmosis. It all requires money. So would you consider giving a cash gift? You can give online. You can use the app on your phone. If you're watching online, you can give that way. You can also give in the bucket. You can give in the black boxes. This particular pledge card is really a, really a, a faith focus for us. It says, as God enables me, I will help take the message of Jesus into all the world through the missions program of our church. And it's a place for you to put an amount, put your information, so forth. On the back, as you see on the screen, it shows five ways you can give. You can use the QR code, you can give online, you can use the app, uh, you can write a check or cash, put it in the envelope in front of you, or you can use the giving kiosk in the lobby, including the black boxes on the back. But I really want to drive home that point for all of us, starting with myself. Am I doing everything I possibly can to help people who have not been afforded the rich opportunity I have of hearing and knowing about Jesus, to hear about Jesus. Doesn't there seem to be something missing if we float through life having received the privilege of hearing about Jesus and coming to Christ and we're not moved deeply to make sure everybody everywhere gets to hear? Doesn't that seem odd to you? It seems very, very wrong to me. As a follower of Jesus, what matters to his heart must matter to my heart. And what matters to the heart of God more than anything? Lost people. The 99 sheep and the one, the nine coins and the one, the one son and the one lost son, all point to the Father heart of God that says, I care about the lost. And I'm asking you, people of BCA, God speaking to us, I want you to identify with my heart, and that is there is nothing more important in the whole world than people finding me. And you're my plan. Pray like never before. Give sacrificially. Last week I asked the question, I want to ask it again. What are you sacrificing in order to give? During this series on Lent, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines and how spiritual disciplines are spiritual habits and exercises that bend our nature toward the very nature of Christ. And generous giving and sacrifice fights off materialism. Simplicity and frugality fights off greed. And a question we need to ask ourselves as American Christians is, what am I sacrificing in order to give? What am I doing without in order to give? It's a powerfully penetrating question if we honestly ask ourselves. I'm asking you to do that here again today. Let's bow our hearts. Let's pray. thought, Lord, of people around the world not having an opportunity to hear about Jesus troubles our spirit as it should. We like to talk about the hype and the hope and the happiness of everything everywhere, but the reality is there are people who need to hear about Jesus. And we are God's plan to make that happen 
It cannot be overemphasized, not even kind of. And God, I'm praying for a miracle, a miracle of prayer, a miracle of giving. God, may many people have never made a faith promise make a pledge, a monthly pledge starting this month for this year. I'm praying that many of us, Lord, will step up and do more than we've ever done before. I pray, Lord, that God, you'll move in our hearts and give us a consciousness about people who need to hear about Christ. May we be deeply moved and stirred. May it compel us, God. May it follow us every moment of every day, every day of every week, every week of every month. May we realize we are people with a purpose, and our purpose is to align our hearts with the heart of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. We don't make up the rules. We follow the rules. And the rules our lost people need to hear about Jesus, and we have an obligation a responsibility and accountability before God to do any and everything we possibly can so that everybody, everybody, everywhere gets to hear. I thank you, Lord, for this church family. I thank you for the faithfulness and generosity of this church family for many, many years. But I also know the heart of this church family, and we don't want to let up. It's full throttle until Jesus comes. So help us be found faithful. Help us serve you, God, by serving others. And may it be manifest in our praying, our giving, and our going. We give in this offering here today with a heart of sacrifice, with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude, and a heart of wanting to help more and more people hear about Jesus. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you as you give.